blessing? That's beautiful, gentlemen. Wasn't that a blessing? Think about it. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? We're not much, are we? But aren't you thankful he loved us anyway? Even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And uh, I'm thankful for that. It's good to see all of you here today. And, uh, of course, Home Improvement Month. And I want to try to uh, be an encouragement to you today. I'm going to just say, though, before I start, I'm not preaching this message because I'm an expert on it. I'm preaching this message because I need it. Right? And uh, I feel like if I need it, you might need it. And um, the Lord has a lot to say about this subject, but I've been preaching on just one word uh, the last few weeks, uh, but I want to change that a little bit this morning. I want to deal with a subject that I believe that will help us in all of our relationships, our home, our family, even church relationships. That's what it's all about this month is relationships. Um, I want to say I'm not an expert on this, but tonight I'm going to be dealing with more of um, dealing with children, um, child raising, uh, not that I'm an expert, but we know the Bible is, and so I'm going to deal with the subject tonight, so I would encourage all of you moms and dads to be here, uh, it would be very helpful. Uh, you have a very um, influential moment in your life when your children are home with you, when they're in school. Probably the greatest influence in their life should be their parents. And um, I think we ought to look to see what the Lord has to say about that to help us uh, to do all we can uh, to raise our children in a way that would please the Lord and would be most helpful to them to be a success in life and uh, to be able to overcome things and to deal with the things that they're going to deal with in life. And so I hope you'll be here tonight. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 in the New Testament. Of course, we know the human penman for this book was the Apostle Paul, uh, written to the church at Philippi. Of course, we know that it's, it is a part of the canon of Scripture. I'm thankful for God's Word, thankful that He's preserved His Word, and I'm thankful that He inspired His Word. The word inspiration of God's Word means that He breathed, God breathed it. So we're not reading a book that's just been written by men. Although men wrote the book, God is the author. He inspired it. God's word originated with him. Although he used human penmen to write to pen the words. And I do understand that God used the very personalities of this, these men to pen these words. But make no mistake about it, God's word is his words. Uh, inspiration, is, it originated with God. And then preservation, he says, I will preserve my word. That means that he will keep his word. And so that's why I believe this morning that I can open this book this morning with per- complete confidence, complete trust, complete faith that I'm reading to you the word of God. Amen. Through the doctrine of preservation, he promised to preserve his word. Philippians chapter 2, and we'll read a few verses here. The Bible says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any man comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other Better than themselves. Boy, that's a lifetime to work on, isn't it? 
Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's a lifetime journey of trying to do that. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. By the way, don't let that go too quickly in your mind as you read that. When you talk about the death of the cross, he was even obedient to death. It was one thing to die, but it was another completely, totally different thing to die at the cross, to die on the cross. This was a, this was a criminal's death. This was a very lowly death. He was willing to not just die, but to die of the cross with all the suffering, with all the pain, with all the shame associated with that. He was willing to do that for you and I. He came obedient, the Bible said. Then the Bible says in verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to say a few things there. We know one day that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God. And I'm going to be honest with you, we live in a world where a lot of people, they're not going to do it now, but they're going to do it then. And it's going to be heartbreaking then because it's going to be too late. You know, we live in a day where people think they've got everything. They're so arrogant. They, they put their fist up at the hand of God and they don't want to live in a life or live a life that, that they give any recognition to someone that they live under authority to. But one day, they will bow the knee. And I think it should be our desire that people would bow their knee now so they don't have to bow it later without Christ. But when we think about this subject, we cannot help but think about it. When we read these 11 verses, the mind, the mind is mentioned in verse 2. The mind is mentioned in several verses here in verse 5. Let this mind be in you. Um, The Bible says being of one accord, of one mind. Let this mind be in you in verse 5. And then it goes on to describe the mind that Jesus Christ has. And specifically the mind of Christ that he had to leave heaven's throne, to come to this earth, humble himself to be a man, being God. He never quit being God. But he humbled himself to become a man, to feel, to hurt, to cry, to have pain, just like we know it. And he's God. He never ceased being God. But yet he came to this earth and the Bible said that he humbled himself and became in the form of a servant. The Bible said he made himself of no reputation and that he even died the death of the cross. And so the mind here is being a mind of humility. This mind is talking about being unselfish. So here's the subject that I want to deal with this morning. Overcoming selfishness. In your relationships. Now again I'm not preaching this this morning. Because I'm an expert on it. To be quite honest with you. I have failed in this area. This subject many 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 times. So I'm not preaching and standing in this pulpit this morning. And on this platform. Looking at you and saying. Oh great me and little you. I am confessing to you this morning. That I struggle with this. Just like every human does. So I'm not 
preaching in a place of, a, of expertise. I'm preaching in a place of authority because I believe what God says about it. And the Bible says that let this mind be in you, this was also in Christ Jesus, and this was a mind of being humble. This was a mind of being selfless. So let's talk about overcoming selfishness in our relationships. Overcoming selfishness in our homes. So perhaps the core problem of mankind from childhood to adulthood would be selfishness or self-centeredness. Right? Nobody has to be taught to love ourselves. Nobody has to be taught that we want what's best for us. We understand that. You don't have to teach a child that. That's why a child has to be taught to share. Because they want that for themselves. They, they are born selfish. We are born selfish. And so let's look at this subject this morning, overcoming selfishness in our relationships. Heavenly Father, I do ask you to do what I cannot do. Speak to the hearts of people. I have nothing within me that can help anybody here. And Lord, I only have your word, so I pray you'll use your word Help us in Jesus' name, amen. So think about it this morning. Think about this selfishness of us, the selfishness in relationships. Think about what God has to say about this selfishness and not having the mind that the Lord wants us to have. Think about it. Selfishness hinders our relationship with the Lord. Because if we are selfish and we are not humble, then we certainly don't need Him. We certainly are not depending upon Him. If we're living a selfish life, if we're living a life void of humility, then we're not, we're not looking to Him to help us and it hinders our fellowship, our relationship with the Lord. By the way, I believe selfishness is, is destructive in all of our relationships. All of our relationships. Why? It poisons relationships. It poisons relationships when we are so selfish and we do not have this mind as what we realize that the Lord Jesus wants us to have. Think about it. See, self-centeredness and selfishness, what does that produce? It produces friction. Friction in a relationship. Think about it. Lack of consideration will cause friction in a relationship. Lack of thoughtfulness in a relationship could, will bring on insecurities. Now, by the way, we're all insecure by nature anyway. But there are certain things that can be done and things that shouldn't be done that can create even more insecurity when someone is not thoughtful, when someone is not considerate, when someone is just simply insensitive. Think about it. And the problem with all of that is, is selfishness. And we all have to struggle with it. See, Jesus dealt with this with his own disciples. He talked to his disciples just before he went to the cross. He clearly taught them. They were all sitting around talking about what all they were going to do and how they were going to serve in the kingdom. And the Lord Jesus told them, said, look, all of you need to serve. You need to serve. He said, you're to follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. He was teaching them this great subject of selflessness. Think about it. Think about this now. Are y'all ready? By the way, how about this me first thing? Me first. Now look, we're all going to get ours. We're going to make sure. We're, we're all selfish. We're in a sense. And so this me first attitude 
has rejected, really, this has been rejected by the Lord Jesus Himself. And he, here's why. Because He came to minister to, not to be... He, he came to minister, not to be ministered to. Now that goes against our grain. You know why? We want it in the front of the line. We want it first. We, me, 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 me. We're going to look out for me. But I'm telling you, there is a joy. There is a blessing. There is a peace. There is a satisfaction when you love someone and you love loving them, and you want to be unselfish, there is a great joy, there is a great satisfaction that wells up in our hearts and our beings if we truly love somebody. Think about it. The Bible says here that the Lord Jesus, He said, and let this mind be in you, who being in form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal, but made Himself of no reputation. He did that for us. Now think about it. This way of living today, of trying to think of others and trying to serve others, it's frowned upon today. Our children are taught today, hey, look, you get yours. You stand up for yourself. And by the way, you should stand up for yourself in certain ways. And I'm just going to say something to you this morning. I want you to know something. Being unselfish is a blessing. <laughs> Honestly, no wonder the divorce rate is at an all-time high today. Because our world, our culture, our society is permeating me first. Amen. Me first. And I, I've got news for everybody here. And all of you that are married, you know what I'm talking about. Your marriage ain't going to last like that. When you get married, you've just vowed to someone that you're going to give yourself to them. You're going to give yourself. And by the way, that's why I believe because we're training our children to look after themselves and get what they want. And then when it comes to a place where they get in a relationship that they're supposed to give, all they know is to take. All they know is how to receive. And, and they find the joy in receiving and taking. But there is a joy in giving. So let's talk about it. How can we overcome selfishness in our lives and in our relationships? Can I give you some biblical principles? This one is just absolute truth. If you are going to overcome selfishness, I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. It is going to take supernatural spiritual enablement. Here's what's amazing. When I read what God instructs us to do, how to be a parent, how to be a spouse, how to be the right kind of friend, how to be the right kind of uh, church member, I read and realize there are a lot of commands and principles in this book that I can't do by myself. For instance, if you're going to be the right kind of parent, you'll never be able to do that without the spiritual enablement of the Holy Spirit of God. You'll never be able to do it because He commands you to do things that you don't wake up as a parent and look forward to doing every day. It's the same in relationships. The thing that He commands us to do, for us not to be selfish, look, the reason why, because selfishness comes natural to us. It comes natural to us. It's the first thing that we have to understand. It comes natural to us. So what has to happen in our life if something is so natural and we're told to overcome this and it's going to be harmful to our relationships, 
then how can we overcome being something that is so natural to us, looking out for me and being selfish? It's through the spiritual, enabled, supernatural power of God. Here's the first step. For you to understand how to not be selfish, you have to have the God of love in you. And the only way you can have the God of love in you is by trusting the God of love as your personal Savior. And I'm thankful Jesus Christ is our Savior. Can I say this? And I want to say it. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus comes into our heart, we understand. He enables us to love like we never knew how to love. When I was a young man, I thought I loved, I wanted to love, but I had no idea of what real love was. I had the Lord inside of me. The Holy Spirit was inside of me. I got saved at a young age, but I didn't yield upon the Lord. I got married. I got into relationships, and I tried to do it my way. I was not listening to the Lord, and I was trying to love the best way I knew how to love. And looking back, it wasn't love at all. At best, it was selfish. And I was trying to do everything I knew to do. But here's what's amazing. When we know the Lord Jesus Christ and we allow Him to enable us. Gentlemen, I want to just say this to you. You can be a lover. You can be the kind of man that loves like Jesus loves. But you'll never do it if you don't let the Lord help you do it. And that means you've got to get honest with yourself and you've got to actually hit that little thing that where most men won't touch because they're like, ah, tell you right now, I'm a man. I'm not going to get sensitive about that. You ought to get sensitive about it. Why? The Lord Jesus is sensitive about it. He didn't have any trouble telling us He loved us. He loved us written in red. And when we think about this it's spiritual enablement, some people say, well, I'll tell you what, he's just a good man or he's just a good man. Your wife needs better than a good man. She deserves better than good. She deserves a spiritual man. A man allowing the Lord to help him, to make him the man and to construct some things in him. For instance, in this particular situation, gentlemen, you know as well as I do, God made us this way. We are more selfish than women are normally. Can I get a witness? Man, that's quiet. I'm going to amen myself. Amen. I'm going to tell you why. Because God created the woman to have the children. Point and case. He knows that they're less selfish than men. Because I'm going to tell you all right now. If God enabled men... To have children, oh my, help us. I don't know of a whole lot of men that get up at 2 o'clock in the morning unselfishly say, Woo, I get to go help a little boy that's got colic all night. Come on now, y'all help me. Come on now ladies, here's y'all's place to shine here. God allowed the woman. Why? Because yes, He made us different. But the truth is, all of us have to struggle with selfishness and the only way to overcome it is allow the unselfish Lord to help us to be unselfish. It is spiritual enablement. And if you're not interested in it, then you're going to remain selfish. 
You have to allow the Lord to help you. And He speaks to you. He convicts us by faith. But let me just say this. To be able to be unselfish and to love like you ought to love, you have to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to be born again. You have to meet Him by faith. And the way that you're introduced to the Lord Jesus is by faith. There has to come a time in your life that you're convicted of your sin. And by faith, you trust Christ as your personal Savior. You repent of your sins. And it can sound something like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you died for me on the cross. I know that you love me. And Lord, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. And I'm trusting you and you alone as my personal Savior. There has to come a time where you meet the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. That is how you are born again. And when you trust God's plan of salvation, which is faith in Christ, I'm going to promise you this, He makes you righteous at that very moment. And with that being said, what happens to you is a third of the Godhead enters your body and dwells in you with, as we call Him, the Holy Spirit, and He helps you to be unselfish. He helps you to love. He helps you to be more like Christ. But without that enablement, we will remain selfish. Why? Because it's natural. How many of y'all with me? How many of y'all believe that there has been selfishness in your heart and in your life and it has poisoned a relationship? It has hurt a relationship. It has caused insecurity in the relationship. Unthoughtfulness has caused poison in the relationship. And so I want to say to you this morning, if we're going to overcome selfishness in our relationships, we must yield ourselves to the Lord. I'm going to say this. We don't always feel like it. We don't always feel like it. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you a little silly illustration, but it will drive the point home. I get hungry. Now I don't get as hungry as I used to. But I used to say I get hangry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And there's times I'm hangry. And I'm really hungry and I want to eat, but we're here at a church social and so there's 20 other people here. There might be 40 people here. There may be 60 people here. And you know what my flesh is saying? You're the pastor. Jump up there in the front of the line. And if I act on that, and I could even throw this on y'all. Do y'all want a hangry pastor? Do y'all want a hangry pastor? Okay, see, that's my flesh. That's myself that's just kicking up because what I want to do, I went in the front of that line. Right? And so what I do is I sit there, and man, I look at that food, and I'm like, man, I know when I get in this line, that's all going to be gone. Like last week when y'all had the fellowship for me, man, somebody, I'm telling you right now, we went up, we went up town last week. Somebody done went and got them pill and eat shrimp and cocktail and all. Thank God because I, it was my anniversary. I got to go in the line first. I got me some shrimp. I went back to get seconds. Guess what? They wasn't any. And so if I'm in the back of the line, I'm sitting there going, my flesh is saying, I'll tell you right now, I went up there, I went up there, I went up there, I went up there. But you know what my spirit says? You know what? You're the pastor. 
And you know what? You ought to think of other people. It's okay. Show a little bit of example there that you ain't so rude. Let other people go first. You know what? It's whoever wins is who I yield to. Same in a relationship. I don't always feel like getting in the back of the line. I don't always feel like God help me, shutting my mouth. Can I get a witness back there from my sister? I don't always want to shut my mouth. I got one more thing to say. I got one more point to prove. I got one more little victory lap to take. But see, selfishness, if I allow the Lord, here's what he's saying to me. You don't really need to say that. What's the benefit of that? Is that necessary? No, you're just jabbing at people. Y'all know in the prisons they have them shanks. Up here in uh, Sevierville at the knife works, man, they have that whole display of hundreds and hundreds of shanks that they've collected from people that work, you know, prisoners in in the prison cells. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever been up here to the Smoky Mountain Knife Works? And you know, when you shank somebody, you're trying to hit them in the right place. And a lot of times we use our words like a shank. Can I get a witness? How many of y'all are guilty? Can I get an old me? I'm trying to get some honesty here this morning. And I'll be the first to tell you, oh me. Hey, but it's going to take supernatural name. Love will not make sense to us. Unselfishness will not make sense to us unless we have the Spirit of God indwelling in us. I had a young couple years and years ago when I was at Greystone. Uh, this young lady was attending church and she was married to a man that was not saved. He had no interest in the things of God. He had no interest. She would come by herself to church. He had no interest to come. But she was burdened. She loved him. She wanted her marriage to be better. He was struggling. And what was amazing is he was willing to come and talk to me. So he came and he came in there and he sat down at my office and we just started to talk. And the little lady, she was crying and telling him how much she loved him. She wanted him to be in church with her and she wanted their marriage to be better. And he was doing the best he could. He was listening to her. He was kind to her. And I looked at him and I said, look, I just want you to know. I said, I already know that you love this woman. I said, but I want you to know something. You are not loving her as much as you could. And I said, please don't misunderstand me. Because he had told me earlier in the session that he did not know the Lord. He He wasn't saved. He didn't have any interest in the things of God. And so he told me that he wasn't saved. So with his testimony, I knew that he did not have the Holy Spirit inside of him to help him. And so I very, I tried very lovingly to him. I said, listen, I said, you love your wife and you're doing everything you can. I said, even me. I said, I understand where you are. I was trying to love when I was young, but I was limited in my love because I did not know the God of love. And I said, until you can get to know, until you know the God of love, until the God of love indwells you, you'll never be able to love like you could really love I'm going to tell you something the guy come unhinged he looked at me he said are you telling me that I don't love my wife I said no sir I said I just told you I even tried to use myself as an example that you're loving her the best way you know how but all I'm trying to tell you is if you know the God of love because Bible says God is love so if God is love you got to be tapped into the source to be able to love are y'all with me Who created the word love? What is the emotion love? What is the act of love? We don't even know what that is unless we know God. 
The greatest example of love is a God in heaven loved us even though we failed Him. He came to this earth, bled and died for our sins. He showed me the greatest, greatest gift of love. So there is no other example or greatest model of love than what God is. So without Him, we cannot love. And that young man stormed out of my office. He said, you're sitting here telling me I don't love my wife. I said, no, I'm telling you, you do love her. But if you will get to know love, you will meet God of love. You'll be able to love her more than you ever imagined. Same with every man here. Same with every woman here. Same with every child here. If you're going to get older and you say, I'm going to love someone, you'll never be able to love someone like you should love them without God's help to love and to be unselfish. So I say to you this morning, love is giving what others truly need. Love is truly giving what others need. It's spiritual needs. Yes, it's physical. See, and we're so caught up in the physical today. That's the easy part to be able to fulfill physical needs. But there's emotional needs. There's mental needs. There's spiritual needs of a human being. And when we get married, when we get into a relationship, God says we're to become one. Not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. All three of us should be involved in a relationship. I have a body, I have a soul, and I have a spirit. So when God says we're to become one, yes, that is a great gift of marriage. We can become one physically. But we also can become one in our body. We can become one in our mind, our soul. That's how I think. That's how I reason. That's what makes me happy. That's why I cry. That's my emotion, my intellect, my will. A relationship has to become one in that. We've got to be concerned about someone's soul, their emotion, their intellect, their will. So when we come to a relationship, we become one physically, emotionally. But this is the one that is neglected so much. Spiritually. That's the part of us. We have a spirit. And that is the part of man and woman that God created that only God can feel. And so we ought to be, if we are in love, if we are wanting to love and be unselfish like we should, as Christ says, then we are going to try and do our very best to meet the spiritual needs of the ones we love. So we see that if we're going to overcome selfishness in our home, it's going to take a supernatural enable. Number two, selfish, selfless love grows, now don't miss this, from sacrifice. It grows from sacrifice. See, here's what the world implies. The world implies that happiness is getting. And sure, the person that's always getting is happy. They're satisfied. But what about the one always giving? Selfishness is a one-sided, one street. So then if you have two people that are both selfish, neither one are giving. So we understand godly love, genuine love, is to meet our loved one's needs. To meet the person we love. To meet our spouse's needs sacrificially. Why? Out of love. Think about this. Here's what we do. Out of love, we forget ourselves for a bit. We forget about ourselves for a bit. Now, I'm not saying this to you this morning because I'm an expert. I need this. I struggle with selfishness. You, you know who thinks of me and doesn't want to forget about me? Me. 
But true genuine love is forgetting about ourselves. Love is rooted in deliberate decisions that we make on behalf of another person. Deliberately, on purpose. Love, genuine love, selfless love is making conscious decisions on the benefit of somebody else. True happiness is fine in learning to give. Because I've learned this in life. If you give, what normally comes back? The Bible says if you give, you'll get what? You'll get it back. Love motivates love. You know what motivates hate? Hate. We're living in a culture today that we're teaching our children to hate people just because of the color of their skin. And then we wonder why we're many years down the road, why we have such a division in this country is because we've taught our children just because of the color of someone's skin, you ain't supposed to like them. That has nothing, there is nothing right and Christian about that. True happiness is found in learning to give, not, write this down, not plotting to get. And I use the word plotting on purpose. There are some people, all they do is sit around and they've got four or five steps down the road. Well, if I do this, I'll get this. If I do this, then she'll do this. If I do this, then he'll do this. That's plotting. That's having ulterior motives. That's not genuine love. True happiness is found learning to give. Not plotting to get. Loving acts that does not spring from a loving desire is not loving at all. If we're doing something because of an ulterior motive, it's not love at all. It's it's still selfishness. And so it takes sacrifice. I'm going to tell you right now. When you put yourself out for the good of somebody else, that's love. It's born. It's bred. It's cultivated out of sacrifice. Do we really love someone doing the easy stuff? Is that really love? No, that doesn't breed love. What breeds love? Total sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ loved us so much that He sacrificed Himself. Jesus loves us because He is loving, not because we deserve His love. Deserve has nothing to do with it. Y'all know what we deserve, don't you? Y'all know what we deserve? The Bible says we deserve the wages of sin is what? Death. Deserve has nothing to do with it. If we got what we deserve, we'd all die and go to hell. But I thank God there's a God in heaven that loved us anyhow. He didn't love me because I deserved it. He just loved me because He's love. And He showed me that love by sacrificing. See, hatred, malice, bitterness, resentment will not take root unless... Selfishness creeps in. These things grow out of a selfish pursuit. Self-sacrifice is the strength and the foundation of true love. Now, you try to teach a 14-year-old that. Well, you better get to trying. And more than trying to teach them, here's how I can help you even better. Why don't you show them? How about mamas? You put yourself out for the one you love and let them see it. 
Daddies, how about you sacrifice without anything in return and let them see it and see what true love is. Not expecting anything in return. You're just loving and being selfless because you love the one that you're being selfless to. Number three, I've learned this. Selfless love cannot be destroyed. Selfless love cannot be destroyed. You know when we become miserable? Really, truthfully, you know when we become miserable people? When we become selfish. You know what that breeds? It breeds unrealistic expectations. You know what has ruined many of relationships? Is unrealistic expectations. Can I give you a point in case? All right. Oh, you're dating. Oh, he's the lover. Oh, he's so, he's so wonderful. Oh, he's so dreamy. And oh, the oh, she's so beautiful. She's so gorgeous. And oh my goodness, she's so pretty. And oh my goodness, they don't have any problems. They don't, they're just perfect. They don't have, oh my goodness, when we get married, everything's going to be even better. And oh, you've never smelled his feet. And you've never seen him waking up in the morning when he's had all this crust in his eyes and he's drooled all over his pillow. And you have this realistic, you have this expectation that once we get married, that we're going to have the perfect jobs. We're never going to have any financial problems. And our children are going to be the best children in the world. They're not going to be up all through the night. See, I thought that, Clay, for eight months. For eight months, he cried with colic. And I mean, if he wasn't moving or bouncing, and so there were many, and Laura was more than me, but there were nights she couldn't do it any longer. I can remember laying in that love seater on that couch, and he was in that bouncing chair. I was so tired, I just had to keep moving him with my feet. And as long as he was in that little bouncy chair moving, he was okay, but then if I'd fall asleep, It was seconds. I don't know why I got off on all that. (laughs) Somebody help me. Why did I say that? I'm lost. Oh, I know. That's what it was. So you have these expectations when you're dating. That everything's going to be wonderful, everything. But here's what happens. Oh, and our washer machine will never break down, and our toilet will never mess up, and our plumbing, and oh, and my, and he will be such a fix it. He will know how to do all of that, and he won't get frustrated. He won't throw tools around when it won't work right. And then when we buy like these things for the children's gifts that now you got to put together, and you got to have a PhD. And oh, he's so dreamy and he's so mechanically inclined. He's just going to be willingly and put all that stuff together. He's not going to get frustrated. He's not going to get sharp with me at all. Then reality hits. His feet does stink. I'll be careful, ladies. Maybe she don't cook like your mom. 
See what happens, we get these unrealistic expectations. And then we get in this relationship, next thing you know, well, this is just a little harder than what I thought it was. Yeah, that's what you signed up for. And to help through all of that is to let God help you be unselfish. And love them if their feet does stink, ladies. Love them if they don't put their clothes in the hamper. Love them if you can trace them through the house because they left every drawer and cabinet open. And then have a heart attack when he actually washes the dishes. See, this is the kind of love that God displayed for us in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. What I'm trying to say to you today is live sacrificially. It won't hurt you. We should love, amen? And it should be a selfless love. So let's let God help us to overcome our selfishness. Can I get really real here as I close? And everybody's looking. I, it's okay. You don't have to raise your hand, but just maybe just nod over your head. How many of you feel like in times past and maybe even right now, sometime in your life, you've had to struggle with selfishness? Can I get a witness? Amen. Can we ask God to help us? Is that something you enjoy being? Does that make you feel really good at the end of the day when you've gotten everything and people are serving you and you're getting everything you want and you look over there at someone that's absolutely doing all they can to try to be loving to you and you're just absolutely letting them work themselves to a frenzy and you're just sitting there with your feet up? Let's ask God to help us to be unselfish. Amen. But you're not going to do it without his help. So I'm going to ask you today, where are you at? If you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He wants to save you. That's why he came. And he'll save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. You say, oh, pastor, I don't deserve to be saved. I know you don't. Neither do I. That's why he came. Why don't you trust him today? If you don't know him as your personal Savior, I promise you, if you'll come... We'll have someone take the Bible and they'll show you today how you can, you can know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I pray that you would do that today. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I'm going to ask, how many of you? How many of you feel like we live in a day where it seems like, and it's always been this way, so I'm not saying it's worse, I'm just saying... It does seem like it's cultivated more. How many of you think we live in a culture that is more selfish than it was years ago? How many of you would believe that? You think that? I do. Why do you think that is? I think we're training people to be that way. And moms and dads, the greatest way to teach your children to be givers, to be lovers, to be unselfish, not just tell them, live it. God help us. Amen. I'm not saying this to make anyone upset, but 
You know there's some precious people in this building right here this morning. And their dear spouse is in heaven. Some of them were married to these dear precious people for 40 years. And now they're gone. Can I give you a little illustration that I think will stick with you? You go talk to one of them today and ask them, do you wish you had one more chance to be unselfish with the person you loved? I'll guarantee you with a resounding yes, every one of them very quickly would say, oh yes, I just wish I had one more opportunity. Well, if you're in a relationship, you have it now. Why don't we take advantage of it? Amen. It's love month, isn't it? How many of y'all feel loved? How many of y'all, how many of y'all want to love? That was weak. I heard everybody say they wanted to be loved, but how many of you like to love? Well, how about we get down to this altar this morning and ask God to help us to love like he'd have us love. Amen. And if you're not married, I'd get down here and I'd ask God to help me. And if you are married, I'd get down here and say, Lord, help me to be unselfish in my love. Amen. Miss Donna's going to play something on the piano. Maybe you'd like to come. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, would you come this morning? We'll have someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. We'll have someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Unselfish love. Overcoming selfishness it plagues all of us doesn't it I don't know about you but I get put out with myself with it a lot of times I'm disappointed in myself I've even made this statement I don't want to be that way I don't want to be like that I really don't I don't want to be that way Sometimes we find ourselves not helping ourselves, but we could help ourselves. Heavenly Father, we do come to you this morning. We want to thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I come to you this morning asking you to do what only you can do in all of our hearts. Give us safety as we travel home. Bring us back tonight at the appointed time. We'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it in the precious name of Lord Jesus. Amen. Miss Joanne, how about you go to the back? Please let this dear lady know how much you're going to miss her. Uh, She's going to be going on Thursday. All of you, God bless you. We love you. Online, we love you. God bless you. Hopefully see all of you tonight.